This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. As the world searches for yield in a a low-yielding world, in other words, zero or even negative rates in the so-called developed world debt markets, emerging market debt has come to the fore over the last few months. And even before that, in fact, probably the last year and a half, uh, two years, but it's sort of been polarised in the last six or seven months for reasons that need not detain us at the moment. With me now is Head of Emerging Market Corporate Debt at 91 in London, and that's Victoria Harling. Victoria, Emerging Market Debt has so many different facets to it, so many different geographies and also asset classes within the asset class itself. Maybe you could just summarise in general terms before we get into specifics exactly what has been happening with EMD quite recently. Yes, it's a fascinating evolution of the asset class. Uh, it's uh, Emerging market corporate debt is the fastest growing asset class in fixed income over the last decade. And as we've seen uh, the universe evolve um, and emerging market economies grow, we've seen more and more companies coming to issue debt in the dollar debt space. And so now, uh, you know, a decade on from when we uh, launched our strategies, we're looking at over 800 companies from uh, a base in 2012 of about 350. And what this means is we're seeing many more companies from different jurisdictions, particularly Asia, that are uh, utilizing this uh, asset class now. And so the depth of the asset class has grown into uh, a, a, a base of 2.4 trillion uh, in size, which makes it bigger than uh, the, the European, um, uh, uh, it's roughly the same size as European high grade. It's bigger than the US high yield market. Um, and so with the depth of the market, we're starting to see evolution in and separation from investment grade. Uh, and high yield separately, uh, and also regional uh, diversification and, and separation out into those geographies. If you Google emerging market corporate debt, for example, and you go to Wikipedia or any of those other mainstream sites, it almost, is, it almost pushes aside emerging market corporate debt versus emerging market uh, sovereign debt. And almost saying that it's 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 riskier and therefore people rather go for the equity exposure to these companies rather than the debt exposure but clearly from what you've just said that's not the case anymore no i i've been uh, managing money in emerging markets since the turn of the century and a lot of the um sort of uh, impression and perception that comes around emerging market corporate debt relates to uh, the asset class a decade ago. And actually, if you look at how much the two asset classes, EM Sovereign and EM Corporate, have evolved uh, over time, they've actually become very different asset classes. Um, Historically, you would find that people's perception was related to a company being more risky than the underlying sovereign. Uh, But as we know, globally, uh, emerging market companies, as every company around the world, has diversified its footprint uh, and become more global. 
And this is very true for a lot of the companies that we invest in. They are often big blue chip companies, but they will have geographic diversification in terms of their revenue streams or in terms of their footprint where they've expanded into one or more uh, countries. And with this in mind, that actually reduces the risk typically uh, of a lot of the, the companies. Meanwhile, the sovereign market, because of the evolution of local currency, has become uh, more focused and there are more frontier markets in emerging market sovereign. Whereas actually what you find in corporate is that a lot of the companies are coming from those bigger emerging economies that have a greater share of, of global GDP. And with that, there is a lot more uh, diversification and stability. It's not to say that there aren't some opportunities that are risky, but the perception of the asset class versus the reality of what's available today are, are, are not quite matched. Is it then fair to say if you, for example, invest in a company that is domiciled or has a, a large presence in a, an emerging market country, a geography, jurisdiction, uh, but it has its income streams from uh, many different geographies and many of them may not be emerging or frontier markets, they may be developed world markets. Is it then fair to say that this is emerging market corporate debt because the debt is based on streams that are perhaps less risky and more reliable? I think, you know, it is important to recognise jurisdiction. Because at the end of the day, as we know in any economy that we that we live and work in, uh, there are tax regimes um, and there are government uh, direction that that can affect any company. And so, with uh, emerging markets, particularly as you move down into the the more frontier type of economies, are at risk from government increasing taxes, uh, government uh, expropriation, etc., where the governments need revenue. And indeed, if you look at some countries where, um, you know, uh, there are uh, convertibility issues on the currency side of things, it is important that companies can service their debt. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned equity because this is obviously something that is very important for equity investors when they're thinking about the equity returns on, on companies. What we have seen over the last decade has very much been that equity is the first hit through dividend payments being cut, whereas debt service is uh, very much protected in as much as the governments recognise that it's very important to allow the companies to keep servicing debt uh, in order to uh, remain solvent. And so we, we, whilst there is a perceived risk uh, that is coming from the equity, it is significantly reduced on the debt front. Yes, indeed. In fact, the dividend cut story has come to the fore uh, recently and very, very strongly in South Africa. A lot of, for example, South Africa, which is which is my reference point when it comes to an emerging market. So many companies are saying, well, no, we're holding back on our dividend at the moment for very obvious reasons. Let's talk about the currency factor now, because the US dollar has been under pressure. Whether, it, whether you look at the Dixie, the dollar index or the, the euro dollar exchange rate, the dollar has been under pressure. How, how does that affect the way that you look at debt, whether it be denominated in euros or in, in US dollars, it must be a huge factor for you. 
It's very interesting question because actually when you look at a lot of emerging economies and the the underlying businesses, there's a lot more of a dollarized component than you would initially think. And whether that's um, you know through the fact that the the cost input prices for commodity producers, for example, will be in dollars and therefore the the pass-through effect happens locally or whether uh, there are some real revenues from a utilities perspective that are linked to dollars, you tend to find that there's only really about um, uh, sort of 10 to 15 percent of the overall market that is really at risk from significant currency pressures. One of the really fascinating things about EM companies is when you actually think about their global footprint and you think about currency, it's helpful for them to have weaker currency often because it makes them more competitive. It's also, as a debt investor, something that makes uh, us a lot more comfortable because you can imagine if a company is a, a takeover target, it becomes a lot more interesting when, when the assets are local and, and that becomes cheaper. So we've had M&A activity where big companies look interesting and you've got very strong international potential buyers of these businesses uh, that are looking for new competitive places where your currency devalue, uh, devaluation actually makes that, that asset more interesting. So from a debt perspective, because what we're focused on is being repaid in, in dollar terms, it actually can be very helpful to have emerging market weaker currencies. But equally, when revenues are down and if there is a currency mismatch in dollars, uh, when the dollar is weaker, it often makes it more, uh, you know, a cheaper funding um, uh, basis for companies uh, to, to repay their debt. So their interest costs go down when the dollar is weak. So there's absolutely an effect that takes place. But often you will find that companies can utilize that to their advantage. I don't want to get too technical, but the hedging aspect of the currency market, especially when it comes to emerging market countries, can be very, very expensive. And some people might say, well, I'm getting X percent yield and uh, I've, I've factored that into my long term investment e equation. But on the other hand, if I have to start hedging because of adverse currency movements, which we've seen this year, that erodes some of that yield. And therefore, maybe I should be a little bit cautious about going into this particular investment. Do you find that? So this is a dollar denominated asset class. So mm. it should be comparable to US high yield or US investment grade. Now, the really interesting thing uh, and, the, and the way that the dollar weakness has played out has been predominantly felt from non-dollar investors and European investors, particularly from 2016 onwards, had a very high interest charge, uh, hedging cost associated with the interest rate differentials in the US and, and Europe. Yes. And actually, this year, that has weakened significantly. So actually, on a hedged basis, now, if you're a European investor, you are getting a significant improvement in yield. Uh, than you certainly were um, uh, 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 last year. But versus what you can buy in European space, 
on a hedged basis, the, the emerging market corporate debt now looks significantly compelling to the point where a European IG index will uh, yield you about 150 basis points less than the equivalent emerging market investment grade. Uh, and the same for high yield. So on a like-for-like basis, you're picking up about 150 basis points uh, for, for buying dollars, swapping it and getting the extra yield for the fact that it's emerging markets. Finally, Victoria, we've been talking about your particular field of expertise, i.e. emerging market corporate debt as the head of that division at 91. But if uh, an institution, an investor comes to you and you sit down with your team of which you uh, are part, what is likely to be the split between emerging market sovereign debt, government debt and corporate debt? Typically, within our existing corporate debt strategies, we have very little sovereign debt. Uh, we do buy quasi sovereigns, which are state owned uh, companies. Yes. But if you're talking about a blended strategy, um, our clients from the blended side of things will sometimes only have a very small allocation in corporate uh, to having an equal weight in sovereign and corporate. And actually, some of our clients choose the other route and having a significant overweight in corporate versus hard currency sovereign. Um, And so from that, um, you know, this is a reflection of how the clients are seeing the asset class evolve and grow uh, to wanting to incorporate more corporate uh, in their mandates. Um, but again, you know, from, from a pure corporate perspective, uh, the, the benefit of having some sovereign is potentially where you want some diversification and the corporates, uh, particularly in Frontier, for example, you can't get that access in, uh, in corporate, but you can can get it in sovereign. Whereas when you look at standard emerging uh, economies such as Brazil or Mexico or China, you get paid significantly more for owning the corporate than the sovereign. Um, So there's different ways to to play hard currency, sovereign and corporate together. Uh, It's a very exciting um, sort of aspect of hard currency to pull the two together. Uh, But you can get as much diversification, if not more, and different investment opportunities in corporate than you do in sovereign. Victoria, thanks so much for your analysis. That's Victoria Harling, who is the head of EM, Emerging Market Corporate Debt, at 91 in London.